This is episode 311, focusing on 5K training and the many workouts that will help you achieve your next personal best. Welcome to the Strength Running Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Jason Fitzgerald, and the goal of this show, strengthrunning.com, and our YouTube channel is to help you better understand the process of improvement. Because when you recognize knowledge as a competitive advantage, you'll be a much better runner. If you're new here, welcome. I'm the head coach of Strength Running, formerly a 239 marathoner and a monthly columnist for Trail Runner Magazine. On this podcast, I share my insights on the sport and speak with the world's smartest subject matter experts to help you improve. I'm happy to connect anytime, so feel free to email me or you can send me a message on Instagram or YouTube. Now, I want to thank our partners who support the show. They're offering you some great discounts, which I hope you'll take advantage of. And both of these companies offer products that I use on a near daily basis. First is Element, a delicious, sugar-free, high-sodium electrolyte mix. It's perfect for endurance runners who are sweating a lot, especially this summer. And if you are sweating a lot, if you're training very hard right now, you may be susceptible to electrolyte imbalances. Now, my favorite flavor of Element is watermelon salt, but citrus is also a complete banger. You didn't hear it from me, but these can also be used to make a very tasty, sugar-free margarita, or the next morning to help you feel better if you've had too many of said margaritas. Now, electrolytes play a key role in helping you avoid dehydration, dizziness, cramps, and tiredness, especially after long runs or workouts. And Element is used by the military, by law enforcement, professional sports teams, and they're their official hydration partner of Team USA Weightlifting. You can get a free sample pack with any purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning, and they'll let you try every flavor before you commit. That's drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning for your free sample pack. We're also supported by AG1, the best-in-class greens superfood mix. I try to have one serving of AG1 daily because it's my one-stop shop for probiotics, vitamins and minerals, greens, prebiotics, and whole foods sourced micronutrients. There's also things like ashwagandha, which is an adaptogen that helps you handle stress in a more productive way. There's a lot of anecdotal evidence that ashwagandha helps you during periods of high training load, likely by allowing you to recover and adapt to those stresses even more productively. AG1 helps me personally support my gut health, my immune system, and it provides a nice shot of energy. I love it if I take it in the early afternoon hours. It's recommended by professional athletes, and it has more than 7,000 positive reviews. Reclaim your health, arm your immune system, and do so conveniently with one scoop of AG1. They're making it really easy for you by giving you a free one-year's supply of immune system-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs. All you have to do is visit drinkag1.com slash Jason, and you can pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. That's drinkag1.com slash Jason to claim your free goodies. All right, our episode today is about how you can structure better workouts for the 5K. I've recently gotten a little bit more interested in the shorter distances just because I've personally raced a couple 5K time trials in the last few months, 
And just last week, I was at the Mile High Mile in Boulder, Colorado. I watched uh, my friend and former podcast guest Jonathan Levitt attempt a sub five. He didn't quite get it, but oh my goodness, the excitement on the track. I was you know, on the curve, yelling my head off for him. It was just so exciting. And I think these middle distance races really provide so much more excitement and enthusiasm than some of the longer distances, especially if you can run some of these races on a track. So as we talk about these workouts, I want to break them down into two distinct categories. First, we're going to talk about fundamental workouts that are going to set the stage for the more specific training sessions that are going to come later in your 5K training cycle. So let's start with the fundamental workouts. These are going to pave the way for the harder workouts to come. First, let's start with strides. Now, when I say strides, I also include uphill strides and hill sprints in this category. These are what I'll call speed development workouts for endurance runners. I know my sprinting coach peers, (laughs) they might say that this is not a true speed development session, and I would agree with them. But for endurance runners, these are fundamentally a speed development session for our purposes. Now, let's define each one of these so that we know exactly what we're talking about when we say strides, uphill strides, or hill sprints. First, let's start with strides. A stride is traditionally defined as a 100-meter acceleration. The goal is to get to about 95 or 98% of your maximum speed, your top speed, but you only hold that for about two seconds or so, and then you're decelerating and slowing down to a stop. Now, this stride is ideally run on a track. You can run it on the road. You can also run it on a sidewalk. You can run it on a nice manicured grass field or a synthetic turf field. Strides don't have to be run on any given surface, but if you do them on a grass field or a synthetic turf field, you may also want to just take off your shoes and run them barefoot. Really great way to build some extra foot strength, reinforce proper mechanics, and really help you develop a little bit more ground feel. Now, the great thing about strides is that they're not hard, but they are very fast, and that's an important distinction. We've got to get comfortable running fast before we can really be comfortable running hard. And strides give us a lovely exposure to speed. So we're exposing ourselves to running very fast without it making you know, this too difficult. We're not going to be really sore the next day. Uh, none of that. So the idea here is to run about four strides two to three times a week. I think that is the sweet spot for most runners. And if we are running four strides, about 100 meters in length, This is probably going to take us 20 to 30 seconds, depending on our ability. We should always take a full recovery after each stride. And strides are very much unlike most workouts that distance runners are used to, in that we don't do a jogging recovery. This is very much like a sprinter's workout where we're not going to really do much of anything during the recovery. We are just going to walk or even just stand around for at least one to two minutes in between each stride. I think 90 seconds is probably my preferred recovery interval after a stride. And if you can build to four of these, do it two to three times a week, you're going to be running fast very frequently. It's going to really improve your running economy. You're going to get comfortable running fast, improves your turnover and foot speed. This is one element of our training that really helps us with coordination. 
It is a skill-based type of training session, and I love them. They are so fundamental that you are going to find pro runners, middle school track athletes who are on the, the fourth day of track practice. They're all going to be running strides because they are that fundamental. Now let's talk about uphill strides. Now, uphill strides are exactly the same thing as the strides that we just discussed, except they're run up an incline. You know, you can choose a 5 to 10% grade, depending on, you know, how much suffering that you want to experience. <laughs> but no, maybe 10% is a little bit too high, maybe 5 to 8%. The idea here is to get some uphill running completed while running very fast. And the idea here is that it gives us a little bit more strength and it builds a little bit more power. I also think they're slightly safer because when you're running uphill, there's a little bit less impact force as opposed to flat terrain where you're just putting more force down into the ground because you're not working against gravity. So if you are a more injury prone athlete, I might recommend uphill strides, not only because there's a smaller injury risk, but there's also the bigger benefit of gaining a little bit of extra strength and power, which is also going to help with injury prevention. And just like regular strides, uphill strides can be done two or three times per week. Now, hill sprints are a little bit of a different animal. Hill sprints are not an acceleration. You don't get up to 95 to 98% of your max speed, hold it for about two seconds, and then decelerate. You actually are running at maximum speed for the entire hill sprint. Now, the key thing about hill sprints is that, number one, you've got to find the steepest hill that you can. It should be a steeper hill that you're going to run hill workouts on or uphill strides. The steeper, the better. And ideally, you'll start around six or eight seconds per hill sprint. And you're only, you're only going to run six or eight seconds, and the entire six or eight seconds is at your maximum speed. So this is much more like a true sprinting workout. You are going to run up that steep hill as hard and as fast as you can for only six to eight seconds. So this actually makes this workout not even anaerobic. You are not even using your anaerobic energy system for energy for this type of training because it's so short. You don't even get to access your anaerobic system because you're done before you even have time to access it. Instead, this is an lactic energy system type of workout. That's because it's so short, but it's so fast. Now, this workout, because it is so fast, it's best not run on a dirt or grass hill because we really want to focus on speed and dirt or grass is gonna slow you down just a little bit. So try to find a road hill that is nice and clear. You're not you're gonna risk running into traffic or anything like that. And it's a good, moderately hit, steep or very steep hill. And hill sprints are... Uh, have very similar benefits to strides or uphill strides, except because of their maximum speed, because they are done up an even steeper hill, you get even more strength and power benefits. This is very much like weightlifting in the most running specific way that you could potentially lift weights. You are literally lifting your body weight up a very steep hill, one leg at a time at high speed. That is going to help you develop a lot of strength and power that is going to come in handy when you start doing your harder, more 5K specific workouts. Now, our next fundamental type of workout that we're going to do for our 5K training is the long run. 
Yes, even 5K runners have to do a long run, and I will encourage you to actually not do a particularly short long run. I do think most 5K runners should build to at least a 10-mile long run, but to a certain point, longer is better. If you can consistently run 15 or maybe even up to 18 or 20 miles for your long run, I think that's going to be beneficial. In fact, we can look at some of the best runners in the world. Let's say we're looking at New Zealand miler Nick Willis. He is a 1,500-meter runner or a miler. He has run a sub-four mile for more than 20 years in a row. So this man has incredible longevity in the sport. And even when he's training for the mile, Nick Willis does an 18-mile long run. And that's because the mile is still 50% aerobic. You are still using the aerobic energy system for about 50% of the demands of a mile race. Now the 5k is even more aerobic. So we still want to always be developing the aerobic system and the long run is one of the best types of runs to do that. Now we should also not discount the mental toughness benefits that we get from doing our long run. You know, there are very few runs that we do that are like a long run. A long run is a very specific type of training session. It is where you run for a long time. And that can be anxiety producing, that can be stressful, that can throw your brain for a loop sometimes. And so if you get really good at staying calm, at being mentally fit when you're out there for a long run, that has great carryover to the 5K race distance itself. Mental toughness is such an important skill for runners, and the long run is one training session that is really good at building it. Now, of course, our long runs don't always have to be glorified easy runs at just a longer distance. We can also run workouts within our long run. Now, usually, I don't really like to have runners run faster than their lactate threshold or their tempo pace for any type of long run workout. Instead, I like to do either the tempo pace stuff, the lactate threshold work, or a slightly slower pace. We can use half marathon pace, or we could do a fartlek. If we are gonna go a little bit faster than tempo or lactate threshold, maybe we'll run a fartlek during the final couple miles of the long run. And it's not gonna be super fast. Maybe we're gonna run, you know, eight to 15 minutes broken up into segments at say 10K pace. So a little bit faster than our lactate threshold, not nearly as fast as our 5K race pace, and we're gonna keep the total volume of this very low. But the idea is to get comfortable running a little bit faster when we're already fatigued, when we're dealing with some, some soreness, maybe some feelings of, of being tired. You know, running on tired legs is a very important skill for, for anybody who wants to run fast. And this kind of a workout can help you do that, as well as giving you more of an aerobic bang for your buck. You're going to further develop the aerobic system just by running a little bit faster at some of these paces later in the run when your body is already under a fair amount of stress. And if we can consistently do a long run during our entire 5K training cycle, you know, I know a lot of mid-distance runners love to take cutback long runs. Maybe those cutback long runs are where you can include some of this quality running, some of these workouts embedded within the long run. But for the most part, even 5K athletes should be doing a long run pretty much every weekend.
So those are our fundamental workouts. Those workouts pave the way for the more specific workout that is coming up later in the training plan. So if you're not doing strides, if you're not doing a long run, it's gonna be much more difficult running 5K oriented workouts. So let's talk about some of these specific workouts. And I have three types of workouts that are gonna be really helpful for the 5,000 meter runner. And first, let's talk about the concept of support paces. If your goal is running a fast 5K, the pace that you really care about is your goal 5K pace. That's the pace that will allow you to reach your goal in the 5K distance. Now, support paces are paces that are both a little bit slower and a little bit faster than your actual goal pace. So paces that are slower than your goal 5K pace include one of the most important workouts for runners, the workout that I think is the most effective at building endurance, which is the lactate threshold or tempo workout. I think most runners can start with about 10 or 15 minutes worth of lactate threshold work. You can break this up into three to 10 minute segments. And lactate threshold is, is really that zone of effort right before you start running anaerobically. So it's the fastest you can run while still utilizing the aerobic energy system. If you run faster than this, if you start going beyond your lactate threshold, what's gonna happen is you're gonna have too much lactate in your blood and your muscles. And your body won't be able to clear it, your body won't be able to use all of it for fuel, and it will eventually build up, you will experience acidosis, you will experience high levels of fatigue, that very familiar muscle burning feeling that often happens at the end of a short, fast race. That is what happens when you start running anaerobically, and that's a very unsustainable pace. Anytime you're running anaerobically, you're running on borrowed time. You will eventually have to slow down because it is not an efficient use of energy, and too much lactate will eventually just stop you dead in your tracks. Now, when you first start your tempo workouts, let's start with repetitions. Like I mentioned earlier, we can start with five to 10 minute reps, maybe three times five minutes or two times 10 minutes. And then we can gradually graduate to sustained longer tempos of maybe up to about 30 minutes or so. Some some coaches might say 40 minutes. I think that's fine too. We probably don't want to go too much longer than about 40 minutes because then this pace is going to start to feel like a race effort because even tempo pace is unsustainable in the long term. A lot of coaches will describe your lactate threshold as your one hour race pace. So if you run your one hour race pace for 30 to 40 minutes, that's fairly sustainable. But if we start getting any longer and the fatigue will just increasingly mount so that this pace becomes more and more unsustainable. Now, like I mentioned, this workout is arguably one of the best for endurance runners, period. I just filmed a video on our YouTube channel talking more in depth about lactate threshold, what it does for you, and why it's so valuable. So definitely check out our YouTube channel if you want more. Now, our next support pace is, say, our mile or our 3K race pace. Now, this is a very fast pace. This is by definition, an unsustainable pace. It is ideally your maximum pace that you can maintain for a mile or for 3,000 meters. For our American friends, about two miles. 
Now, when you start workouts like this, let's keep the total volume of this kind of running to only one or two miles. So something like six times 200 meters at mile pace or six by 400 meters at 3K race pace. The faster you're running, the lower the volume should be. And this is a great type of pace to use because it does a lot of things for your body. Number one, it reinforces proper running form. You're, you're going to have a really hard time running with poor form at very high speeds. It also really increases your power and your ability to generate force into the ground. This is very much a sprinter skill. You want to impart a lot of force into the ground. You want to hit the ground really hard with your foot. A lot of force comes down and that helps propel you forward as you rebound from that, use some of that free energy, and you you get into the flight phase of your stride. So if you've ever heard someone talk about how important it is to run softly, that might be true during an easy run, but when you are running a short, fast race, you don't want to run softly because that's only going to slow you down. This kind of work is also VO2 max oriented work. You are running at a VO2 max pace. Now, often the repetitions are a little bit too short to really give you all of the benefits of running at VO2 max, but that's where our next type of 5K oriented workout is really gonna help. And that is your actual goal 5K pace. Workouts run with goal 5K pace are the most specific type of workout you can do since they are gonna mimic what's going to happen on race day. I like to see runners start with about two miles worth of goal 5K pace work. That could look something like four by 800 meters, for example. And then over the course of the training cycle, this workout progresses so that over time, it looks more and more like the race itself. So you might run four by 800. Then two weeks later, you might run four times a thousand meters. And then two weeks after that, you're running something like four times 1,200 meters. And then soon you are running f three times a mile at your goal 5K pace. You can also manipulate the length of the recovery to make this workout harder. So maybe you start with a two or three minute recovery, but at the very end of your training cycle, when you are running the most 5K specific workout that you can design, let's say three times a mile at your goal 5K pace, we can really cut that recovery down to only, say, a scant minute of recovery. If we can run that workout three times a mile at your goal pace with only a one-minute recovery, you can feel very confident that you are going to be able to hit your goal 5K pace during the race itself, especially when you're a little bit more rested because you've tapered. And of course, we experience the magic of race day, all the, the amazing hormones that we get on a big day like that. We're going to hear the announcer. He's going to shoot the gun. We're going to have crowds cheering us on from the sidelines. That is going to help us race a little bit faster. That environment is very conducive to a max performance. Now, of course, we can mix all of these workouts. We want to be doing strides in a long run during the entire training cycle. We want to be running lactate threshold workouts I would say for most of the training cycle. And then that mile or 3K pace, that can, that can actually happen very early in the training cycle as long as the volume is very low and the recovery is high. And that goal 5K pace work, that can occur more in the middle to late stages of your training cycle. 
Now, of course, every workout doesn't have to focus on just one of these types of paces. We can mix and match. We can do a short tempo and then a series of 200 meter repetitions at your mile pace. We can do a, a short tempo and then run a shorter goal 5k pace workout. We can stress individual energy systems frequently during a workout. We don't have to focus just on one at a time. We can focus on two or three at a time. So if you're wondering how to structure this in your training plan, don't worry about being too rigid with structuring these workouts. As long as the trend over time should be that all these workouts are trending more and more towards the 5K race itself. And I think one of the most specific types of workouts that we can do is that three times a mile at goal 5K pace with a one minute recovery jog. That I think is the gold standard 5K specific workout. And if our workouts gradually morph over time so that they look closer to that workout, we are gonna be in a really great position. So there we have all of the different workouts that we can include in a 5K training plan. Now, there are nearly unlimited ways of structuring these workouts. So from one coach to another, these workouts may look very different, but if you compare a variety of 5K training plans, you will likely find they include all of these elements and they progress appropriately during the course of that training plan. So if you are planning a 5K training cycle, I hope that this episode about 5K workouts was interesting and more importantly, will actually impact how you go about your next 5K PR. If you'd like me to help you with a training plan, just go to strengthrunning.com coaching and we can get started. Now, I do wanna thank our sponsors for supporting the show. These are companies who are making it possible for me to devote so much time to the Strength Running Podcast. Our sponsor, LMNT is offering a free gift with your purchase at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning. And this does not have to be your first purchase. You're going to get a sample pack with every flavor so you can try them all before deciding what you like best. I feel like I've been cheating on watermelon a little bit, even though I really, really like watermelon. Citrus is starting to make a comeback on my palate. I think it's because the flavor of citrus is a little bit stronger. So the flavor is stronger, which makes the salt content seem less. And the watermelon flavor isn't as strong. So it makes it seem saltier. So depending on what I'm actually looking for, I've got a great two flavors that I can mix and match. Oh boy, if you have both of these flavors, you're gonna be one happy runner. Now, LMNT makes electrolytes for athletes and low carb folks with no sugar, no artificial ingredients or colors. And I'm now in the habit of giving away boxes of Element at group runs around Denver and Boulder, and everyone loves this stuff. It can also be a helpful way to prevent dehydration when you're running long or you're doing a really hard workout. If you sometimes feel tired or you get headaches, cramps, or sleeplessness after those long runs or workouts, you might have an electrolyte imbalance or a deficiency. You can boost your performance and your recovery, especially in the heat, with Element. They're the exclusive hydration partner to Team USA Weightlifting, and quite a few professional teams in the baseball, hockey, and basketball leagues are on regular subscriptions. Plus, I admittedly like to have some Element if I've had a few adult beverages and I want my morning to feel a little smoother. 
You can check them out at drinklmnt.com slash strengthrunning to get your free sample pack with your purchase. And then you can get your hydration optimized for this summer season. I'm also grateful for the support of AG1, the health and wellness company that makes my favorite greens superfood mix. I am a man of convenience and comprehensive daily nutrition is super simple with AG1. I personally struggle with eating healthy. What can I say? Convenience foods speak my love language. So I'm finding AG1 really helpful to fill in any holes in my diet. And there are holes. One scoop of AG1 gives me 75 vitamins, minerals, and whole food sourced ingredients, including a green superfood blend, probiotics, prebiotics, adaptogens, and more. AG1 helps me fill in any nutrition gaps in my diet because I know I have them, I don't eat perfectly, and it does give me a nice boost of energy and focus in the afternoon hours that I so love. Now, I've got three kids, they are all in school very soon, and I know I've got to support my immune system because I am no match for all the germs that they bring home. And what I actually really love about AG1 too is that the product actually changes a lot over time. Over the last 10 years or so, they've made over 50 different improvements to the formula based on the latest research to make all those nutrients more absorbable and the product more rigorous with the third-party testing that they do. AG1 is certified safe sport, so you don't have to worry about anything in AG1 that's going to come up on any sort of test that you take. Go to drinkag1.com slash Jason to see the great offer they've put together for our podcast listeners. You're going to get a year's worth of free vitamin D and five free travel packs of AG1 with your first purchase. You can sign up for a single shipment, or if you know you want AG1 to be a regular part of your healthy lifestyle, you can get a monthly subscription. This is my daily go-to, and I certainly don't travel without it especially if I know I'm not going to be sleeping as well as I do at home. I want to make sure my body has what it needs to operate well, and AG1 delivers. Go to drinkag1.com slash Jason to sign up today. All right, that's our show, runners. Thank you so much for, for being here, for subscribing to the show, for sharing the show with your friends. If you want to support the podcast to make sure I can keep publishing episodes, you can use the sponsor links that I've mentioned. You can review the podcast in Apple Music or wherever you're listening to the podcast, or you can go on strengthrunning.com and get yourself a training program. My number one goal is to elevate your running. So don't ever hesitate to reach out to me through the Strength Running site, or you can message me on Instagram at JasonFitz1. We'll talk soon. 